I'm Amy Lettingham. I'm a master certified dating and relationship coach. And I'm Kevin Lettingham, Amy's husband and a former reality and docuseries TV producer director. And together we want to welcome you to Sex, Love, and Mindful Dating. In today's show, it's all about episode seven of Love is Blind, where some of the couple's relationships are actually getting pretty rocky as they try to understand each other's wants and needs. Plus, there's all that fun pressure that comes from meeting each other's families. And did you know the number one reason couples get divorced is communication issues? We want to make sure this doesn't happen to you. That's why we're going to offer up some of our best communication do's and don'ts for relationship bliss. And if your goal is to find lasting love, my conscious dating programs help you do just that. We do it through breaking your unhealthy dating beliefs, attitudes, patterns, and through my online dating courses, group coaching, and personal one-on-one virtual coaching, I can help you. Contact me at amythedatingcoach.com, that's A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com, and mention the podcast to receive a special offer. Let's start today's show talking about a statistic that I find really compelling that I don't think a lot of people know about. There have been a lot of studies on what causes divorce, what are the root causes, and the numbers that they have, they vary a little bit, but it looks like somewhere around 65% of all divorces occur because of communication breakdowns and failures. And I think that is incredible because I think most people think it comes from finances and it comes from infidelity and all those other things, but it's not. So Amy, why is communication such a big part of marriages and divorces? Communication is the umbrella of all the fighting issues, right? So it's not really just because he has bad finances or she has bad finances. It's that sometimes when the issue arises, the couple can't talk about it and resolve it or come to a a collaboration to fix it. To communicate a solution. Yes. Conflict resolution is the biggest reason that people stay married for a long time and the reason they get divorced. Well, I think, you know, people don't know themselves well enough. They don't know their own boundaries. And I've seen two ways people communicate when they don't know how to deal with conflict. It's either they fight where they scream and yell it out, you know, and they're angry at each other, but they never resolve the problem. Or there's flight where they shut down their emotions and their feelings and they bury it under the rug until things get so bad and then they blow up. Um, Either way, the person that's having the issue doesn't get their needs or their requirements met because they never talk about it they never really resolve the issue and it just makes two people not feel heard and eventually it builds a lot of resentment and then by the time they do talk about it it's too late so what's the number one rule would you say for good communication let's go right off the bat what what's the best way to communicate well first you have to understand what you have an issue with okay understand the problem is the first thing correct okay You know, and you have to check within, is this a non-negotiable or is this a need where I can compromise, right? right? And I think compromise is a problem. People don't like to compromise. Well, I think what happens is people think this non-negotiable is a need where they, and they end up compromising their non-negotiable and then they just do it over and over and over again. And then that fight becomes such an issue rather than recognizing this person will never make me happy with this specific 
non-negotiable that I need in a relationship. I'm going to give you an example. Emotional intimacy, being able to express your emotions and be vulnerable. Like I had a client where she would talk about her feelings and the boyfriend would just shut down and he never, he would gaslight her. He would not talk about his feelings. He just was like, no way. If you're in a relationship like that, that tells you that's not going to change. So nothing gets resolved because no one's hearing or no one's expressing. Yeah. And it just, it becomes a convoluted relationship of assumption. And you know, what What do they say about assuming? Yeah, uh, he makes an ass of you and me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, then the question is, all right, the couple has bad communication skills at a particular moment. Can they be learned? Can you improve them? Absolutely. Everything is a habit that we learn. You know, let's not be so hard on ourselves that, that we came from a home that did use passive aggressive behavior to communicate or anger or violence. Like we don't need to carry that habit into our own relationships. We can actually learn new habits. And those habits just take you taking the initiative to read, learn, develop. It's everything. It's anything that we do in life. It's just training to do the job right. All right. Well, that that all makes sense. Now let's see if we can apply some of this, this good, bad communication we've been talking about to Love is Blind, because uh, these couples are regular couples. They have the same communication issues and uh, successes that we all have. So let's start with Damien and Gigi, because this is an episode all about communication with these two, because they are learning how to talk to one another. And it's fascinating to watch, actually. It was interesting because I, for the first time, because they weren't in front of each other, because when they're in front of each other, they do a lot of fighting and yeah. there's a lot of raised voices. And it was funny because Gigi said what she really felt. She says, I don't know how to communicate when things are bothering me. She says, my family yells. Yelling is normal for my, you know, for my family. And Damien doesn't yell. I know sometimes I do that. I get frustrated and I yell. Um, what, what is your feeling on yelling when it comes to communicating properly? Well, I tell you this every time you, you do spike up with your yelling is I don't hear you better when you scream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know a lot of times it's when, when you yell, it, it's, it's a release of frustration more than it is anger. It's not like when I've done it, I, I know that I'm doing it, but I'm not, it just boils up. It just pops up. It usually comes from our childhood behavior. So what happens is if we don't get something our way or we don't understand, our, our childhood behavior comes into play and that's when we throw a tantrum. You so yell, you're calling me a child, basically. <laughs> pretty much when you yell, the way I hold my composure and not get offended is I shrink you down to a little child throwing a tantrum. And that's when I'm like, I come from curiosity rather than anger. Now, when I look at you as an adult and you're yelling at me, it pisses me off. But how I change it in my mind when the, the times that I'm able to like just diffuse it is I look at you as a little child throwing a tantrum and I'm like, oh, what is going on here? There's something deep rooted that I'm not understanding and he's not understanding. Yeah. Come from much more of an empathetic place. Right. Because the reality is, is when two people fight, nobody's heard when they're both yelling. Absolutely. Yeah. So for people that yell like myself, what, what can you do? 
Well, I think first of all, walk away. I do that. I like to do that. Yeah. When things get too heated and frustrating, then it's time for you, whoever the yeller is. And sometimes I yell too. It's not like you're the always the one that's yelling. Is that um, we walk away, we take a deep breath, and we recenter ourselves and set up an appointment with each other before you have the next communication. Because the whole goal of communication is to get heard on both sides and come to a resolution. You can't do that when you're both pissed off. I, I agree with you in principle, but when you're on one side of an argument, right? Take Gigi and, and Damien, for example. They each have a point of view. And they both want their point of view heard. And they for they want to win. They want to win the but argument. That's bad. But is it is it really bad? I want you to understand what I feel and I want you to change a behavior. I need you to do that. That's bad because you can't change me. <laughs> but I can change your behavior. No, you can. How can I not? You can share what you want. Yes. I have to accept it and change it for myself. No one can change another person. That makes sense. Okay. I agree. The goal, though, is to get the behavior changed. The goal is for you to be heard, okay? Yes. So I can hear you. I can accept what you're saying is your meaning, your belief around it. And I can choose to either meet you halfway or I can say, that's not my belief. I'm allowed to have my own belief. That's where we were talking about the non-negotiables. If those are aligned, there's going to be less conflict because you believe the same thing. When you don't believe the same thing and you're forcing it down someone's throat and it's about you be like me or me be like you, that's the flaw and that's what causes breakups. True, true. And and good communication also brings you together. When it's resolved, it's a bonding thing. Sometimes the best part is when you've gone all the way through it and you resolved it and you move on and you went, whew, I didn't know we would get through that. And we did. And that's that to me is what works for our relationship the best is that there is yet to be one singular issue that has been systemic, that we always seem to discuss it and get through it. And I, we've never gone weeks with an issue, usually a day or two max. And I think that's super important. If you're in a relationship and the stuff isn't getting resolved in days or hours, that's hard. That's really important. You just mentioned that. Uh, the issue, when it does arise, it needs to be handled right away. And a lot of people wait because they hate conflict. Yes. And that's when it destroys a relationship. The one thing we saw with Gigi is that she doesn't know how to handle conflict, so she uses sex. And it was almost like, if I have sex with you, I'm making up with you, rather than speaking what she wanted to say and say, I'm sorry, she did it through an action of sex. And Damien was like, no, I don't want to have sex with you when I'm pissed at you. You're I not know. even attractive to me. That's makeup sex. Yeah. I can tell you and I have never had makeup sex. Never. I've never had makeup sex in my entire life. Because when I'm angry or there's an issue, like the last thing I think about is sex. And to see someone like Gigi who just got into a fight and is go, no, let's go have sex now. Like, that is so foreign to me. Yeah, I actually did, you know, personally with an ex-boyfriend. That's something that was normal for us. But what I'm realizing and when we're going back to the science of love, right? It's hard because it's confusing 
the adrenaline gets pumped up and it's the same feeling. You're getting adrenaline when you're fighting and then it makes you want to, you think that this is love or passion that you're feeling. So it's very confusing, but trust me, Kevin is right. It is not love or compassion. It is the lack of communication skills and trying to deflect the situation. Well, well, he even said specifically that he doesn't do that. And that's not how he resolves conflict. Yet he did it. They did it twice. Now, now to be fair, Gigi's pretty hot and they probably have pretty good sex. And I think that probably trumps the fact that he wouldn't want to do it because in three years, if they're still together, they're not having that same sex. No. It's just not going to be the same passion. I mean, she's already talking about not having butterflies. A lot of the self-sabotage that happens with using sex as deflection with conflict, it is actually a, a form of validation that you still love me, you still want to have sex with me, even though I created a lot of drama. So that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. She's basically using it as a validation tool. Mm -hmm. And if you still want to have sex with me, that means you still like me without saying it or asking it because she's scared of being vulnerable. But she was vulnerable. There was a wall separating them, which was quite interesting. And that's when he said, thank you for telling me your truths and thank you for sharing this information with me. Yeah. It's interesting because I wondered if that was at all produced. Right? And I'm like, maybe the producers got involved and said, hey, maybe you guys should talk this one out, but not be in the same room. And then he ended it with the, oh, it's like we're in the pods again. I go, huh, huh. that just seems so yeah. perfect. You know, as I've said before, it's a reality show and you don't get any points for doing it real. You get points for doing it well. And that was a really, really good way to show people how to communicate because it did start with a problem. There was vulnerability. There was honesty. There was deep conversation. There was listening. And in the end, it got resolved. Yeah, and she actually told him what she needed. She's like, she wants a guy that takes initiative and that's assertive. And then he grabbed her and jumped her on the bed. <laughs> so Gigi and Damien end up resolving it, but that only lasted one scene because the very next scene, Gigi's supposed to meet Damien's family and they cancel immediately. And then another fight argument starts and she's really upset at him because she doesn't feel like that Damien stood up to his family. She felt that he didn't fight for her. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, how people fight about the toaster, but it's really about something else, you know? And um, she had said, she goes, I want an assertive man. I want someone to fight for me. And then he didn't fight for her with his parents. And actually, I think when he was in bed, he was texting somebody. He might have been texting his parents because I think they were about to go meet the parents, and that's who he was texting. I know, and he said this. He said, do you still love me? And when she said, I don't know, I think that's when he's like, I'm not going to put my parents through this. I think he might not have wanted her to meet his parents. And there's a point where she's like, what did you tell them? And he said, I told them everything. I've been honest. I think Gigi now is in a very difficult place with Damien because if you're ready to meet someone's family and then you don't get to meet him because of that. Yeah, that's a wedge for sure. No question. Between them. So at the end of the day, they did resolve that conflict as well. They did hug and it 
did seem like they got to a place where at least she understood what was going on and then she accepted it for now. I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about my free ebook, Five Dating Traps to Avoid. It gives you tips to avoid all the traps that make your heart break. So go to amythedatingcoach.com and that's spelled A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com. One of the things I wanted to talk about Damien and Gigi as well was, you know, when they were in their big fight, the, the previous episode, they talked a lot about like, you, you, you did this, you did that. And there was a lot of finger pointing and talk about how important language is to a discussion or an argument. So when you're arguing, it's so important to use I and we language, not you, because you puts the listener into a defensive mode. It's an attack. It feels like an attack. Yep. So it's important to focus on I, right? With I say, I feel like... My feelings are really hurt. And what I'd really want, because you always want to share what good looks like, is I want somebody that keeps their agreements, follow through, and has their you know accountability when they say they're going to do something. And then we end with we conversation. What do you think we can do to make this happen? That makes sense. That makes sense. So what I'd like to give you an example about, like you actually tell me you're like, Amy, you talk about work way too much. And mind you, we are in quarantine and working a lot, but you were re- things were getting heated. You were starting to raise your voice. And then I looked at you and I just said, I'm sorry. That's a huge thing, De- uh, de-escalate it. And I really meant it. I wasn't just saying it to manipulate you because when you say sorry without changing behavior, that's manipulation. But I said it because I saw it hurt you so bad. And I didn't want to win because if you're fighting, there's no win or lose. And you didn't use you did this. You did that. You said, I feel like we were talking about work too much. And I'd like for us to talk about, you know, more current events, fun things outside of that. Yeah. And you said to me, you're like, well, when we're eating at lunch, we should not talk about work at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it generally works. I mean, for the most part, you're you're much better at it. I do have to remind you sometimes, but it's not a big deal because we've put it on the table and we're making it an effort as a couple. Let's move on to uh, Amber and Barnett. Let's start by talking about Amber's communication in general before she meets Barnett's parents. She's an open book. She's like no filter, says what's on her mind, good, bad, or otherwise. Is this a good thing anyways? I personally think you definitely have to read the room. It's okay to be authentic. It also is okay for you to be your best self instead of just being yourself. There's moments where she's all put together and nice, and then it just seems to fall off the rails because she falls into this trap of being honest and open. I almost think it's a defense mechanism. Like, I'm just going to push things to the edge and, you know, and then the people that stick around are going to stick around. But in reality... She does like want Barnett and his family to like her, but she's not going about it in a smart way. And she's not thinking about other people. When you're, when you have the attitude, you're thinking about yourself. So Amber meets 
Barnett's parents and the first thing they do, or at least the first edited thing, you know, a lot of times there could have been a whole conversation before that is they asked her, you know, what's the worst thing he's done? And she immediately goes to like farts. Yeah. She says like, he doesn't mind farting on me. And then she snorts laughing. And then everyone's like looking at her and just her body language. It's just, she's just all over the place. She's not you can tell she's not stable, grounded. Yeah. And I think it's just, like you said, read the room. Like, I know you want to be funny and yourself, but you don't know these people and you don't know if fart humor is okay with them. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to understand who you're talking to and what's acceptable. And she doesn't. Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She lacks a lot of them. And, you know, this is what makes her so fun because she pushes things to the edge. And this is why Barnett's like... Oh, I'm really excited about her. But if it's impeding on the success of your relationship with your partner and their family, because your partner's family is essentially your family. Will be, yeah, Will when be. they get married. So you, you don't want to do things that causes them to put up a wall. It's all first impressions. And then she said something about, I'm really crazy. She did. She shared with... <laughs> Which is, as a mother-in-law or father-in-law, like, is that what you want to hear? Your son's marrying when the girl actually calls herself crazy? You don't see me doing this right now, but I'm actually, my hand's rolling on my head because it's just like, oh my God, who would say something like that? Someone without a filter. <laughs> Someone whose communication skills are not fine-tuned. Yeah. I mean, that's... And, and the mom in interview says... You know, she's concerned for her son. She thinks this is lust, not love. And the brother did the same thing in a different interview bite. Yeah. So everyone's seeing she's really hot. She's really fun. But, you know, that's the big question. There's a difference between girlfriend material and wife material. It'll be interesting to see if this meeting at Barnett's parents' house leads to any like conflict between Barnett and Amber. Uh, we have not seen them fight once or even really argue in this entire series. Um, so it's possible we might see something or maybe they're one of those couples that just never fights. I'm going to say this and please, I know some of you are going to disagree with me, but you have to know for those couple that say we never fight. I've worked with so many singles that tell me that they've been through a divorce because they never fought. That means that both parties are not being heard and there's deep rooted needs and issues that are not being met. I dated this girl once. We never fought. I mean, we dated on and off for all, like we dated on and off for a couple of years and she pretty much agreed with everything I said and she would do the things that I wanted to do. She was very easy, very nice. One time we were actually going to a restaurant and I asked her where she wanted to go and she didn't have an answer. And that was it. I finally blew up. And we were on the street too because I was so like, just finally talk, say something, have a, a point of view, do something to show me that you're an equal participant in this relationship. And I realize now it's just we didn't have good communication because not only did I not say anything and confront her that this was a problem, but she never had a voice. And that's, believe it or not, the biggest turnoff for somebody that is confident 
somebody that is strong, they want a partner with the voice. And that's what it was. I'm like, I want you to just tell me what you want. Mm -hmm. Please. Where do you want to go to dinner? We're always picking where I want. And I wanted someone with a voice. Yeah, he got, and he got one. He yes. married me, and then now he raises his voice. <laughs> That's true. God, maybe I should call that ex-girlfriend back. And uh, We've had some big fights over the years uh, because we are both strong-willed people and both voice our opinion. But you know, that's the part that I do respect of you. I dated guys that would tell me what I want to hear, and they would do things behind my back differently. And that's also poor communication, right? Because that ex-boyfriend of mine never told me his truth. He did things to just calm me down and then he would do his truths behind my back. Yeah. And that's uh, that's one thing. So I think anyone out there that is dating someone and they're not fighting, you can't automatically look at it and go, oh, we never fight. Oh, that's a good relationship. No. No, no, no. I've always been a believer that it's not how you love, but it's how you fight. Because if you can't communicate properly to get through problems, it doesn't matter how much you love each other. Because it's problem resolution over the course of a long-term relationship. It's the number one thing. I mean, if you can't talk, you can't talk about the kids, money, you know, jobs, you're, you're screwed. Well, that kind of gets us to the end of the show. So now let's move on to the takeaways. Amy, can you talk about the takeaways for this episode, please? So the first takeaway is to know your boundaries, then communicate them. You need to know your non-negotiables, your deal breakers, right? Those are the same. And then your needs, like things that you're willing to compromise, but you need to know when they're an issue. And that needs to happen right away. When you it is an issue, you need to communicate them right away. You can't wait. The only way a person can meet your needs is if you properly tell them what you need. You know, they're not mind readers. They are not psychics. You have to tell them what you need in order for them to make you happy. And it's actually a way that you can filter whether someone belongs in your life or not. Takeaway number two, apply proper communication tools during conflict. I'm going to give you three tips under this. Now, it's important that you try to control your emotions. Yelling, you know, is a natural reaction, but it doesn't help the listener hear you better. So you need to breathe, slow down, maybe walk away and regroup. You know, Gigi said, I yell. This is what we do in our family. Well, it doesn't work for everyone. So she needs to learn how to be her best self in a relationship, not just herself. Focus on I and we language, right? Don't attack. Focus on collaborative words like how can we fix this? What can we do to resolve this problem? And then when you use the I, talk about what you're feeling and focus on the behavior, not indicting the whole character of the person you're upset with. And then finally, listen with an empathetic ear. When I say that, I'm talking about listening with curiosity. I talked about Kevin, when he does raise his voice and he flaps his arms, he looks like a child to me throwing a tantrum. Do that. It'll help you listen with more of an empathetic ear rather than getting really upset and defensively listen to them. Now, before we go, though, please remember, if you like the show, 
hit the subscribe button, give us a five star review. It'll help us get more shows to your ears. And also, let's say you want to talk to me privately, come to my website. It's amythedatingcoach.com, A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com. And let's connect and uh, let's talk about your love challenges. Thank you for listening. And like we always say, take charge of your love life by dating mindfully. See you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. -bye.